since we're live. Welcome back, survivors of the Great Fire of King's Landing of 2018, 19. 2018. <laughs> there was probably a fire in 2018. Let's be real. There was a fire, wasn't there? California well, was on fire. You just, you just have PTSD. Whatever. Welcome back, Thronies. We are so glad you're with us. You've made it to the one episode before the finale. Extravaganza. My name is John Erickson. I'm one of your faithful pop culture theologians. Make sure you're following us on iTunes at Pop Theologians, um, on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Um, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Pop Theologians. Um, and you can follow me at jerickson85. Marcy, my friend who's surviving in Florida, where can we find you on the interwebs? <laughs> Hey everyone, you can find me at I am the men who can um, on Twitter. You'll see my name is off Brent, uh, which is fitting this week with the news coming out of Georgia and Ohio. Uh, John, I feel like we're like moments away from living in Gilead. Like I definitely think we're there. I just think that people don't realize it yet. Right. So we're not going to cover news this episode, similar to the last episode, because there really is so much to cover uh, in Game of Thrones. But I want to take a moment to say that the Alyssa Fuck Milano, Georgia. The, to everyone but, but Georgia. The Alyssa Milano Jessica Mizell, we love you. Yes, we do love Jessica Mizell. Uh, she was one of our guests from The Purge. Uh, the sex strike that has been proposed against these draconian abortion laws is a dumbass thing. Uh, women don't perform sex as a labor, uh, but what you can do is donate to the organizations on the ground in states like Georgia where women's rights are under attack. John, what are some good organizations to donate to? Oh my God, you can do NARAL, you can do Planned Parenthood. Say who Thank you, you work very for. much. <laughs> um, but also there are a lot of grassroots organizations on the ground. You can do the abortion funds, which actually provides direct funding for women um, to get actual abortions because it costs money and even more money in certain states. Um, and also sometimes those costs include traveling out of state to get an abortion because places like Georgia and, uh, and Kentucky, as you can see, are only becoming more and more like Gilead every day that goes by. Right. So, you know, support organizations on the ground, support the women in your life who are watching um, the, the rights that they have fought, their mothers fought for, their grandmothers fought for, for a very long time. Um, support them as they kind of struggle through understanding, not understanding how this could happen because we've been throwing up red flags forever, but um, male allies in particular who are listening you guys need to be at the front lines. Like you need to be the loudest voices. Uh, I believe in you. You can do this. Resist. So speaking of tyranny, <laughs> we have a hell of a fucking episode Ooh, too to soon. break down. John, it's a little bittersweet because I feel like I you know, I, I don't deal well with breakups and the fact that like next week is like the last time, uh, kind of sucks. It really does. But you know, it doesn't suck gonna... as much as this episode. But... Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. We have some fighting words, but why don't we get into it? 
Let's do it. We're actually, we're breaking from last week's mold. So we're not going to technically go chronological for this one because I don't think it's necessary. This was just one long fever dream of a fuck up. Uh, and John is going to disagree with me, um, which is totally cool. So we're going to do what we usually do, which is what worked in this episode, what didn't work in this episode. And then we're going to have a couple, like a bit of a longer stretch at the end of what we think comes next week because that's it. That's it. And we are so thankful for you guys being on this journey with us as we kind of complete an eight, nine year arc. Yeah, uh, some of us even longer with like the books and wanting people. Right. To, well, and who knows how much longer, right? It could be another, how, how much longer can George R. R. Martin live? <laughs> like I keep waiting. Did you see the rumor on Twitter today that Barristan, the character that played Barristan Salmi um, said that he actually that Georgia R. R. Martin's actually completed both books, but he's just waiting for the show to end. So I have heard this rumor for years now that um, the final two books are done and that George R. R. Martin made a back room deal with HBO to not drop them until HBO finished. Um, I feel like this is... <sighs> I I don't think this is true. I will freak out if it's true because I don't think I could have imagined a sloppier ending for one of my favorite series, but, um, but I really doubt it. I, I like, I really, really doubt it. Um, but let's see. I mean, I've been wrong about a lot of shit lately, John. Um, there's a couple things though that I have not been wrong about. Um, do you, do you want to, t do you want to tell me what I want to hear? Um, that you may or may not have been right about Danny. Oh, it's like, it's so sweet when you flirt with me <laughs> on a podcast. I still Say am holding out for redemption. Say it just a tiny Marcy, bit you were right about Daenerys, Stormborn, House of the Crazy. <laughs> First of her name. First of her name. I love that. I don't know. Listen, One flew over here. the cuckoo's nest. You literally just said she might still have redemption in her. I believe in <laughs> white women. They, they'll do us right. They'll, oh, they'll make it right. They'll do it in 2020. They'll vote for the right candidate this time. They'll do it. <laughs> You're so cute. Okay, so let's start off with stuff that, that worked for us. Uh... <laughs> This episode had really beautiful cinematography. <laughs> it really did. I thought for, you got to give it to this episode. It was this it was really stunning. Technically stunning. I mean, it reminded me of Battle of the Bastards in the sense of like you are immersed in in the nitty gritty ashy feel of battle. Like you like there is not a moment really. I would say 10 minutes into this episode on where you get a breath of fresh air, like um, metaphorically speaking. And so, yeah, like the shots of, of, of the fighting, the, the shots with Drogon, um, the, the what, do you, what would I call it? The destruction of everything. It was beautifully shot. Beautifully shot. I have never been more in love with that dragon. I mean, you just really see how destructive they really are. I, <laughs> yes, uh, Drogon is the MVP of this episode, I think, because honest to God, like he leveled up. He was like Mario, like if you're in Mario Kart and you get the star forever, like 
because that is not the same Drogon that we had like two weeks ago. This one was untouchable, bad, like just like everything's bouncing off of him. He knows how to destroy everything. Like you can't touch him. Like level up Drogon for sure. Literally level up. Not sure that makes a ton of sense. No, he got the he got the star in Mario World, like Mario. Yeah, Kart. Like, no, I mean, like honestly, like, blowing everything up. Oh, yeah, nothing touched him. So, I will say, I do feel like we, if, if I'm trying to be kind about this, um, if the dragons are are intelligent and adaptive, right? Like Drogon has learned from the past couple battles what to do. Also, Daenerys learned that. Um, I guess like the, um, what are they called? The scorpions shoot at a certain angle. So she knew to stay, you know, above or below that angle. Um, so, so yeah, I will suspend my belief that, that Drogon leveled up. So, um, I will say that let's start right at the beginning of the episode um did you interpret because before i make an assumption how did you interpret Varys's conversation with the little girl from the kitchen i think she is going to be a messenger for so i think she might save him in the end i don't know like save whatever message he was trying to get out there but it was very cryptic in the way wrong (laughs) wrong Wrong. i don't know poisoning daenerys that is why he kept asking if she was eating. We'll try again at dinner. Oh. And the little girl's like, I think they're like figuring it out in the kitchen. He's like, it's all right. The, um, the more dangerous, like the deed, like the higher the cost, the higher the reward. Oh, I did not read that in the scene at all. I didn't either until my second viewing. And then I was like, oh, oh, okay. Because initially I complained that, that there wasn't, enough in the conversation between Tyrion and Varys in the last episode to justify for me Tyrion just turning his back on Varys. Now Varys was pretty honest like I think we talked about it last week that like his like it was kind of like they were at a crossroads. When I rewatched this episode I didn't catch it on first watch I was like oh that makes a little more sense he was trying to poison her. That makes a little more sense. That makes it also kind of devastating because I think I'm team Varys on this one. I uh, also, can I say that when he, he got grilled alive, like I loved how Drogon, I knew he was there, but I, I loved like Drogon how he, was making fun of him. He's like, what's up, bitch? What's up, bitch? I'm about to eat you. <laughs> I loved how he, like, he just looks so daunting and scary. Like I loved that how they framed that there were some i mean this episode itself is going to win a bajillion awards for its directing cinematography technical detail everything i really am going to stand by that because i told you that you and i were going to disagree so hardcore on this this is the lowest rated episode of game of thrones in rotten tomato history yeah but you know critics hate it well yeah they hate it because danny literally just flayed the entire game Okay, so we will, we will get to the things that did not work. But when, when Varys is about to be Tarly barbecued, right, I do love the fact that, one, 
Tyrion takes responsibility for it. Tyrion says, I'm the one who did it. And I think that's important because we're reminded that Tyrion fundamentally, even though I don't forget that he killed Shay and his dad, like I don't forget some of that bullshit, but that he's fundamentally an honorable man and that he was not happy. And like Vera's saying, um, I hope that I'm wrong, my friend. Like, I really hope that I'm wrong worked for me because that's a really good last wish of like, God, I hope that I, that like, I am misreading this. Like, and it showed us till the end. Varys is one of the only good characters we had from start to finish. And I use good in quotations because I know that he is responsible for murders and a bunch of other stuff. But I am the prize, the greater good, which as a Dumbledorean, I don't even know if that's a word, but um, like the, the greater good isn't a great mentality, but for, for the purposes of this type of fantasy, it works for George R. R. Martin. So saying goodbye to a character who never lost his arc who was always fundamentally looking out for the realm, I thought was, I mean, it was, it was sad, but I, I understand why that's how he went. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just don't think that's how he goes in the books. And I just, I'm like, I've been watching compilations of like the actors, like reacting to people questioning them about like how season eight, like, um, like ends you know, and if they're happy with it, and like none of them are happy none at of all. None look very happy with it. Um, so, okay. So, goodbye, Varys. Rest in peace, my homeboy. Rest in peace, bro. Um, love you. One of my favorite characters of the entire series. And what a wonderfully written, masterful character. Can we just pour one out for our homeboy, Varys? I already poured two and a half glasses of wine tonight, so let's keep pouring. Got it. Um, deal in, in honor of Cersei I felt like I should be a tiny bit intoxicated tonight so um Varys Varys worked uh the cinematography is tied to um before we jump into some of the other um character developments it's tied to I think the show captured really well the horrors of war like there's something about and, and we talked about this with Battle of the Bastards the fact that there's there's this element of like we are drowning in the destruction with the characters that I thought was was wonderful. Like that sense of like the walls actually caving in on the viewer is amazing. Like, you know, poor Arya with her asbestos filled lungs now. Um, but the the general destruction, the way that was filmed, the way that no one escapes it. No one. Not John, not Arya, not Cersei, Jamie, not anyone. Um, that to a certain extent, uh, we talk a lot about war, both in fantasy but in our real lives, as this thing that is almost like above us, right? It's this hypothetical, we are far removed from thing. And I think the show did a very good job of showing that that is bullshit. War is war. War is indescribable in its horror. But I think they did a very good job of capturing that. I mean, the reactions alone and how they shot it from, and I've been reading a lot of this online and how they shot it from people's um, expressions from below, I think captured the exact type of um, situations you're talking about. Right, right. Um, no, that, that definitely worked for me. I do love, which actually this is going a bit even further to, to the beginning. I do love that, that fundamentally Daenerys is blaming Jon for all of this. 
And I don't think that that is something that is going to be forgotten in the next episode. Um, it she, is his fault. She's blaming John, but she also threatens Sansa's life because after she kills Varys, yes. she legitimately says, like, I'm going to paraphrase, right? But she's pretty much like, this will send a message to Sansa of what happens to those who spread the word, right? Like, I was like, John, come on, bro. Like, come, come on. Like, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Um, so I think that in episode six, we'll be seeing a lot of who is to blame for this madness because we know that Danny is not going to take any credit for it. So um, no. then I know for you, we can talk a little bit about, let's talk about Jamie. Uh, Jamie's arrival into King's Landing. Um, so for me, something that worked is Tyrion freeing his brother. That is extremely dead on the nose for who I think Tyrion is. Fundamentally, I think the Lannister kids love to hate each other, but they love to love each other. Wink, wink. <laughs> um it you makes have, sense you you couldn't resist i couldn't resist um it makes sense to me that you know one of Tyr that Tyrion's willing to die to save his his brother and sister and not only that but he also understands it's not just that he did it to save his brother and sister he did it in hopes of saving king's landing right like if we can get cersei out if we can get the swords down and ring the bells we can save everyone and i don't care if i have to die over it like that is still one death versus the death of millions right so so i thought that was it played very authentically to me um of who Tyrion is it really showed the bigger picture of like i think Tyrion knows that like we're in the end game now and he does not expect to live Tyrion is our new varus he's actually our i think our new moral compass i think when um there's beautiful shots of Tyrion processing the fact that uh, our queen has gone mad and they are shots of like sheer t like horror and regret. Right. So I think he might be our new kind of moral compass. He's definitely winning awards for this episode though. I mean, you may hate yes, this episode. I 100% no, no, no. I a hundred percent agree that like the golden globe, the Emmy, like, this it belong i mean peter dinklage has won before for game of thrones but this season is by far i think his best work um so jamie in this scene does not work for me and i'm only going to bring it up because i know we're about to jump to 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 jamie and cersei for you which did work but jamie fundamentally has let us know that the reason that he was the kingslayer was to protect the realm right he has carried kind of this secret that he's not some badass but that he actually like intervened ruined his reputation because the mad king was going to blow up all of king's landing when jamie says he doesn't give a shit about anyone that is character assassination for me that is sloppy writing it is not true it's just not true and when i say not true and everyone's like it's a show they can do whatever they want no we have source material for this shit but also it's not just george's source material it's been and often Weiss's source material. Like we've been told multiple times, we had the conversation of Brienne literally putting her life on the line saying, this is an honorable man. This made no sense. Him going back to Cersei makes a hundred percent sense, but he doesn't go back to Cersei, a man who no longer cares about humanity. That just doesn't make sense to me. But talk to me about 
why, how, again, we're skipping around in time timelines because we're just assuming you've seen the episode and we're going to just cover what worked and what didn't work. And if you haven't, we'll take a pause right here and you can go watch it. Ready, Marcy? You watch the episode. You're angry as us now, aren't you? Welcome. Right. Well, I'm back. <laughs> okay, so talk to me about, for you, Jamie and Cersei, like this this finale, these deaths, I'm using death in air quotes because there are theories that they're not dead, but these deaths, the way that they came down in this episode works for you. Yeah. So look, they were always going to die together and they're always going to go out together. Now, I know people have been really pushing on the Val and Carr theory that we have going on about, you know, Cersei's going to die, the younger brother killing her. And here's the thing. I mean, technically he, he did. He did kill her. He literally couldn't find his way out. He like was trying to save her and get her out of the, and he took her down to, I can't remember that area is called um, in the Red Keep where, you know, they had a way out. That's how Tyrion's gotten in before when he's wanted to talk to Jamie. Yeah. Dungeons, all that stuff. Like he took her that way because he thought he could still get out that way. And he didn't, he screwed up. And at that moment he knew that they were going to die. I mean, he was going to die already. I mean, he got stabbed a lot i can't believe he even made it that far however I can't believe we had to witness a fight with euron like anyone gives a shit about euron yeah Just and i don't think that's how Jamie goes the motherfucker on the, on the boat and let us have more time with anyone else like i i am like honestly baffled that we had to spend time with euron in this episode and i don't think that's how jamie goes in the books personally i think that that doesn't happen oh no this is I, the best thing that could ever have happened to george r, r. martin like yeah. literally fans are few Fans of book and not books are furious that like, it's like, this is a clusterfuck of epic proportions. Um, and so the best thing that could happen to George R. R. Martin is, oh, okay, so I get a second shot, right? <laughs> to finish my material, so. Exactly. And so um, he, they die because of, you know, him, but at, in that moment, he comforts Cersei because she's completely given up. Um, and she sits there and he says what he's always said to her. And it's been a theme in the show that, you know, only thing that matters is us. I mean, that's it. And they're gone. And I know we definitely wanted more for our queen, you know, but would we have been more satisfied with like her being barbecued? I don't know. Like, I think that this is fitting. And I think that the kill though, I mean, who's Cersei's kill, right? Like you really think about it, and there's so many people. Is it really Arya's? Is it re- isn't it Sansa's? Is it John's? Is it Danny? It wasn't a fucking rock, John. So yeah, okay. I'm gonna hold off. I'll hold off for the. But I will but let I think you with stay Cersei. Here. But I think with Cersei, what we get down to at the end of the day is the person who played the Game of Thrones the best, and she lost. Clearly, this that's what this whole episode is about. But she lost at a huge price in. And she goes. And I know a lot of people are mad she goes in the arms of the one that she loved, but she's gone, maybe. I mean, I know people think that she's not dead. But um, okay, that's all I have to say about that's it. You, I, I'm not – I, I do appreciate a payoff. I like when things, you know, harken back to the end. Um, but, I mean, in into previous seasons. But I think we have a lot going for this scene. And I wish it had been so much more, don't get me wrong, but for what we got – you know, it's what we got. What we got. I will say I loved, again, seeing Euron. Bye. Goodbye. It's done. Like, no, thank you. Um, I found something that worked for me. It was Quyburn's death was really funny to me. It was like, 
I, that's exactly how I needed him to go. I needed his Frankenstein to literally not give a shit and just smash him against the wall. That worked for me. Um, and that's it that worked for me. For you, 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 you told you, no, no, no. The hound, the hound worked for both of us. Uh, the hound Clegane. worked for great. That was an amazing, amazing scene and Clegane Bull paid off. So I love the fact that he starts laughing when he realized how futile this is, right? Because he realizes his brother's like a, a literal like giant zombie. Right. And, and, the, and that while he was able to give this advice to Arya, which we'll get into in a bit, of like, don't do this, dude. Like, this is not a way to live. I think the laughter was kind of realizing why, like how dumb it was to not take his own advice of like, let it go, dude. Um, and, and his death by fire out of his own sheer stupidity is fitting for me for a character that I really love. Like I don't, I love Sandor Clegane. I love him. I think he is, he, it's, he's been beautifully flushed out in the show. And I think that the sad irony of like him warning Arya to not become this dark twisty person while not being able to take that advice and then ending up in the worst possible situation he could possibly end up in um, is something for us to kind of take stock of, but it's also the kind of like, irony that feels george rr martin-esque right like it feels dark enough that it's like oh man like the last thing i wanted was the hound to go by fire exactly and yet next time you should have listened to yourself (laughs) okay so let's move on to what i think is maybe going to be our biggest disagreement um but it's actually i think the largest kind of like split among viewers so for you, the uh, evolution of the Mad Queen in this episode worked. Talk to me about that. We've all been there. <laughs> Who hasn't been at a staff meeting and decided to just burn everything? <laughs> Look, she's doing the best that she can. This sounds horrible. The writing for Danny this season is atrocious. This is absolutely atrocious. There's a lot of things that show that this is our greatest breakup that, you know, with Danny that we never really saw this villain coming. Although a lot of people have projected, like, look at what she's done in like every season in some way, shape, or form that has Well, been the thing is for book readers, there is so much more that sets up the Mad Queen in the books that like, I'm not surprised. I mean, I've called the Mad Queen since pretty much day one um it's it's whether or not this was an earned payoff i think for some of us but for you it was yeah i mean she said she was always going to bring it with fire and blood you know and i don't know i'm so mixed on it but like the she does amelia clark does a brilliant job of acting with just her face in that one moment when the bells are going off kills it with i think this is her best performance in an episode put all of the bad writing aside, put whether or not this is earned, uh, whether or not they have female writers in that room, which, hey, they don't. Um, this is by far her best performance. If you really think about it, that struggle when she hears the bells, that is her working by herself on top of a lime green um, fake dragon in front of a green screen and she it just uh, similar for Cersei actually um so for Amelia Clark and um oh my god her name is escaping me right now 
Daenerys? Lena Headley. Lena Headley. Both yeah. worked really with green screens this entire episode and the the work that they did. What is- did you think of the dual screen when it was that moment and it was like Danny and Cersei? I had a like the view Rosie O'Donnell, Elizabeth Hasselback, Hasselback realness. Like when it kept like looking from one to the other. Yeah, and it was like that somber. Like, is she going to do it? Is she not going to do it? Like, clearly, Danny has the win. Cersei realizes it's done. Right. And in that moment, you see it's like Danny. That that was Danny for me. Like a very like that was a beautifully performed scene of like the. the evolution, the creation of the Mad Queen in that moment. Um, and also the um, the downfall of Cersei. Like, um, you know, it doesn't happen often, but there are times where I completely misread a situation, right? And I would like to think that my face also goes through like eight stages of grief as I realize that I have overplayed my cards or whatnot I just, so I just felt for Danny I don't know what it is I, I did know. too um I, like I definitely did Danny. too I don't know yeah I Danny I hate this because I hate that she did it right like I hate that she turned mad queen but I got to admit there have been signs and my girl's been losing it and you know what she burned it all down, just like Masande told her to. And I did think a lot about Masande's, uh, her final words being Dracaris and how that that might actually be a bigger part of how, how this happened. Um, and but you know the so the writers, uh, the executive producers decided that they did not want a ten season episode, like a ten episode season. They wanted six. Uh, 100% they needed 10 episodes to do this well. Eight. I'll give you eight. Yeah, just build. So it's it's the build out. We talked about this so much. Like, give me conversations between her and Missande that would show me, um, like, I mean, honest to God, there are maybe six conversations between the two of them. Fundamentally, it is not enough to have a black woman stand next to a white woman for eight seasons to tell me that they're best friends. It still looks a tiny bit uncomfortable to me. So you didn't build out that relationship. You clearly have not built out the John relationship. You barely built out the Jorah relationship. Um, the only things I know that she was attached to are her dragons, right? Um, Sir Barristan Selmy earlier in the seasons was killed off really early too, who she was close to, even with Grey Worm. Like, give me time to watch, because uh, I say this as someone who has occasionally gone mad, it takes a bit, all right? Like, it just, like, like I don't go from Marcy to, like, Dark Sea in, like, three seconds. Like, my, my husband, well, 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 I go to, like, I go from like Marcy to drunk sea in like five five seconds, but like Marcy to dark sea, like it like my Brent Brent, my husband, would tell you that he can see the like the brewing signs that I am starting to like collect my evidence for when I'm about to lose my shit. Right. Like I come with receipts, right? I come with receipts. I come with like, I'm ready to go. So by the time I get to the point where I'm like, burn everything, no one around me is surprised. Everyone's just disappointed. <laughs> like, give me a couple episodes. Um, because I think for me, 
the scene where she um, and John have that kind of exchange in this episode reminded me a lot of the exchange she had with her brother. Actually, it, her brother had the exchange with Sir Jorah of like when she eats the the horse heart and, and her brother's like, well, they fucking love her. Like they love her and no one's ever going to love me like that. And um, not true, boo, because you were you were fine as hell. But um, but that is what's happening with Danny and John. She's descending into this place of like, she says it. no one's ever loved me in Westeros. So I'm going to choose fear. And like, you have to give me a tiny bit more than that for a woman whose entire arc, while extremely problematic, was that she had been sold like chattel, raped, had had been taken away from her home, and her entire life would be dedicated to people never having to be slaves or raped or taken from their homes or any of that. I'm sorry, but you have to do more, even with the mental illness hereditary thread line there which by the way everyone has treated so poorly as if mental illness is somehow like you know well it was in there she was going to kill people like no 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 you have to to get the payoff you need to you need to build it if you think of ned's death there was 10 episodes of building up of ned's mistakes to his decapitation give me 10 episodes to build up the problematic white savior who has a bit of a self-esteem issue but also does not understand herself and needs to do some growing up give me 10 episodes before you have her literally destroy her life's work and herself it's not just that she like that's it there's no coming back from this yeah she's gone she's i mean the conversation when they all and i say they all by like the six people who survived this because Dothraki died, uh, the Unsullied died, everyone, like, obviously our heroes didn't die, but, like, every, everyone is dead, like, but when she's got to talk to, to the folks left behind, like, what do you say? Sorry, Oops. like, my bad. Sorry. I'm, like, super triggered by bells. Well, I don't know. First of all, you know what worked for me? The episode title. Good episode title. A really great episode title because I love that it acknowledges that the breaking point for her was the bells, which signaled that she wasn't there for justice. She was there for vengeance, which means we're transitioning into what didn't work, which I want to give you credit, John, that like it, this episode is the type of episode where it, it really lives in a gray space because like things work and don't work at the exact same time. Right. Because yeah. like the bells ringing and her looking at the red keep, I thought she was going to go straight to the red keep and like that bitch on fire, which by the way, would probably be against like Geneva convention treaties or whatever, but it would have made sense to me. It would have made sense to take vengeance on her. It makes zero sense to me to punish women and children. That is, that is just not the Daenerys that we know. Even the Mad Queen could have been done in a way that does not, similar to Jamie, do complete character assassination. Yeah, I mean, 
the preview doesn't really give us anything for next week too. So we're kind no, of sitting it here going like, it, look, I think we have to understand the frame of mind of some of our main characters, right? So I think for Daenerys, she always thought she'd, she'd get to Westeros and she would be beloved and admired and everyone would be like, ooh, ah. Well, that's what everyone that. told her, right? I mean, that's and like white women one-on-one. In the places that she liberated, right? Um, that's not to say that she did not act violently in certain places. She had, she had a lot of trouble keeping Marine mar- like free because the slave, like slavers Bay in general was a sign that like dragons and white hair can only do so much. Right. Like uh, to a certain extent, the white savior complex ended when she needed to actually govern the person who, who governed Marine back into some sense of normalcy was Tyrion. It wasn't, it wasn't Danny, um, but I think what we have is like a very lonely, broken woman who her entire life has had her eye on one prize, and that prize, I don't think it's the throne. I think there's a misinterpretation that she just wants the throne. It was, she wanted to go home. She wanted a home. She and wanted home was a, not there. Right, a place where she could feel safe and loved, and it must be very difficult to go north and see the Starks and how loved they are by their people and by their family there, right? And to a certain extent to realize that like even if the girl does land on this throne, who does she have? Which and what did she lose by going to the north? She lost basically a dragon, a dragon. all of her confidence, like confidence, and her like her chutzpah, right? Like she literally had everything stomped on. Yeah, there was a lot of loss, right? There would have, I mean, that loss, it's not like she sacrificed all that for John. Like, no, humanity had to fight the Night King, apparently. But there was a lot of consecutive loss, right? Half the Dothraki horde, half of the, um, I hate calling them a horde, um, half of the Unsullied. She lost her, like, she lost Jorah. And then she realizes for the first time in the entire narrative of these, these stories, these books, that she's not fucking liked. They're literally praising John for riding a dragon like this bitch didn't give birth to them. And Sansa's like, yeah, I don't trust you. Arya clearly doesn't trust her. Like, it, it completely changed, like, she's unable to process that. Um, she's so used to being loved. I mean, that's, I mean it, that's why the critique of white feminism on the show is so powerful. I do think there is a, a real critique of, like, white savior i don't think it's white feminism i think it's just the white White savior complex um because the show couldn't critique feminism if it wanted to because it is the least feminist show i've ever watched on television this show absolutely fundamentally and for the fuck boys who are about to get angry the show fucking hates women and like it is really difficult to love source material and to watch it be trampled on like Brienne of Tarth did not need to lose her virginity to Jamie, clearly, since it was a useless plot point. But there we go. She couldn't just be a knight. She had also, to. So how good is that D? Like, you know what I mean? Right. She had to be the woman, like, crying over some dude. Sansa's painted as some gossiper versus the only person who has, from, like, the beginning been like, yo, this is what's happening. We need to act, right? Like, we've got a play on motherhood that is very problematic so both Cersei and Daenerys 
to a certain extent, their best qualities is the fact that they're mothers. Daenerys to her dragon, Cersei to this child. This unborn child does not bring shit to this plot. What it did in the male writer's heads was humanize Cersei. That Cersei would do anything to save this unborn child because the only goodness that a woman like Cersei, and I'm going to say a woman with power has, is the fact that she can become a mother. And like, that is some bullshit. Like, Cersei would not, like, there is no version of the Cersei that we know that would be cowering in some crypts, holding her stomach, being like, no, Jamie, like, no, that's not her. Girl would have looked death right in the face. The one that we've met in the books, the ones that, the one that we've met up until season four. No, no. How motherhood, motherhood works. And for so many of us women, like we're told so often that like our, our highest virtue is motherhood and that the loss of children or the decision to not have children somehow diminishes a woman. Right. So so Daenerys is diminished with every child that she loses, right? Um, and then for Cersei, it's like she levels up a little bit if she's pregnant. And like, none of that works for me. Like, that is, again, like this show really doesn't like women. Like, really doesn't. So, so things that didn't work. <laughs> well, Marcy, why don't you kick us off here? Okay, so. Was something in this um, that didn't work for you? I'm, I'm going to go after the men. Uh, which okay, I think, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> um, I sound, I sound like what, from Little Rascals. It's the He-Man Woman Haters Club. Um, look, I, I think we have a trio of, of, of idiots to contend with. The three that I've got my eye on are... Uh, John, the complicit idiot, Grey Worm, the now war criminal, and Tyrion, the snitch. <laughs> All three of them, I, oh, watching them was really difficult. Um, Tyrion, I think, immediately regrets his decision to not to snitch. I don't think he wanted Daenerys poisoned, but I think very quickly he realizes he was wrong. Right? John, honest to God, I know that Ned Stark did not birth this child, but my God, he's just the most useless idiot on this show. Like, useless. He's like trying to get people to not fight. Like, he still doesn't get it. He watches Varys be barbecued, still doesn't get it. And like, the bells ring and she goes off and like, it's like it finally hits him. But like, all right, Ned. Like, Ned didn't get it until he was surrounded by Lannister soldiers, right? And, like, the fact that, like, Twitter was, like, on fire, like, well, obviously the, the natural conclusion is that John, our reluctant king, ends up on the throne. I'm like, John hasn't earned that throne. He was useless in, like, Battle of the Bastards, useless. The Battle for Winterfell, useless. The Battle for King's Landing, useless. Useless. Hard home useless. Like this is literally like I don't know if George R. R. Martin. I always thought he was writing himself as Sam Tarly. Like, but if this is some type of wish fulfillment that dudes who like this is like red pill nice guys like need to finish first type of bullshit that I'm like, there's very little ways that the next episode redeems itself for me, and I'm gonna lay them out for you. Okay, give them to me, girl. <laughs> I'm gonna lay them out for you. Uh, the first one is 
John has a reckoning with himself. He has a come to Jesus. He has a come to black Jesus moment and is like, I'm a fuck up. I didn't listen to the people. I didn't listen to the people in my life that I should have listened to. Uh, but I don't want it to be, which we talked about in the last episode. I don't like the insinuation that just because John wanted to have sex with some chick that broke him. That's not what it is. It's that he has trouble listening <laughs> and comprehending what's happening. It's not that He's women special. bring down good men. Like, that's not what happened, even though the show's trying really hard. Like, with Jamie, it's the same thing. Like, Jamie's a good man except for Cersei. John's a good man except for, you know, Daenerys. Like, that, that has to, like, that narrative really bugs me. But um, my guess is John sends himself up north. Once whatever happens, happens, because I think multiple people could kill Daenerys, um, John gets sent up north. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, Tyrion, I think, has to grapple with what he's done because they're all complicit. Like, they're all complicit. It'd be one thing if there were no warning signs and you hadn't just tarlied some dude for telling you, you got to take this bitch down. She's gone crazy. Like, you're all complicit. Um, Grey Worm is obviously going to stand by the side of his queen. Um, I think John and Tyrion need to to phone a friend up north called Sansa. So that's how I feel about that. <laughs> I really want, I mean, this is like one of the first episodes ever that we have not seen Sansa for a really long, I mean, you know. Yeah, she's, she's not in this episode at all, which again, she's all. smarter than all of us. Yeah. Like, I'm not going down there. I'm like warden of the north. I, I can call up all my banner men. What are you? I'm not going to fight that bitch. She that bitch ain't going, I ain't going up there. She's like, both those bitches are crazy. I'm not doing it. And like, what do you think Brianne's reaction is to Jamie dying though? I read online that they, she, that reason why she was crying is because she already knew that he was going to die. Yeah, but like, the reason that we got that like guttural sob was she knew that was goodbye. She knew. And I think like, I think that Sansa thinks she said goodbye to her sister forever. So I think if she sees Arya again, that would be a beautiful kind of moment of coming around. Um, because while I don't really believe that there's a version of Arya that would have listened to the hounds say, go live your life, don't be like me. Um, I do like the rehumanization of Arya. I, I like it too. I'm glad that my favorite pair of like socio, like pathic psycho killers got a goodbye. That worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it would happen, but it worked. Right. So for me, sir, like things that we disagree, Cersei and Jamie did not work for me at all. Um, so I, I feel like Jamie was character assassination saying that he didn't give a shit about like blowing up people and all that stuff. Um, but more importantly, I thought we actually had a really interesting scene that I thought was happening. So I thought, first off, I didn't need the Dane bowl between Euron and, and Jamie, but whatever, we have it. And I don't think that's what happens. I don't like, think so either. But what I thought like, was on. that Arya encounters Jamie, kills him, takes his face, and the person who walks into the, the courtyard with the map when he was hugging her very strangely... I thought that was Arya. And like, I'm sorry, but that is a more fitting end for Cersei than the crumbling of rocks while she like 
kind of begs the universe for her life. Like that just doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so it just felt like um, the wrong death for like, we got a more poetic death for Joffrey for Theon. And like Cersei is quite honestly, one of the leads of this entire series. So for her, I understand that like for some people, it's like it's beautiful that, that her and Jamie kind of got to die in each other's arms while fulfilling the um, prophecy that she would be killed by a younger brother. But nah, bro, that's not why I watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, I give me something more fulfilling. Gore. Say that again? I watch it for like, you know, the gore, the craziness. It's not even that. It's that like, I like playing the long game. I like something that feels earned. That was like a very simple death. Also, Cersei didn't have like nightshade in her pocket so they wouldn't have to suffer. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't make sense. Like she totally would be ready to die without pain. Um, no. Mm-mm, no mm-mm. Um, <laughs> so what you're saying is... <laughs> Got it. It doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. Daenerys in particular, like I said, doesn't make sense. Um, but we're left in a really interesting spot, right? Because our main players from here on out, uh, my guess is that Cersei and Jamie are dead. Um, I don't think they're not dead. We have one episode left. Um, I think that Grey Worm, I'm going to do it in camps. So I think that Grey Worm is standing with Daenerys. I think on the other side is John Tyrion. Um, I think Sansa and the North are a wild card. I think Arya is a wild card. Um, and that's kind of where, where it's sitting right now. Um, I will tell you that I do think there is one redemption art arc for for Danny, but I don't feel comfortable with it. Like the only thing that could possibly redeem Daenerys is if she felt enough regret that the audience would understand that she views what she did as like irreconcilable. So like, could Daenerys have had a momentary break, like a mental break from the grief and then she like commits suicide out of the sheer horror? That fits more for the character that we know. Like, if she suddenly realized what she had done and couldn't bear it. But, like, that is, like, again, like, I'm uncomfortable with treating, with the treatment of mental illness, one, being not avoidable, or that you are defined by your parents, like, genetic makeup or your 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 family trauma defines who you are. But then I also don't like the idea that the only way out of of who we are is 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 suicide so like i feel very uncomfortable with that but i honest to god don't see any other way that that character can be kind of wiped clean unless the point was never to wipe clean this character and she's just going to self-righteously be like i did what i needed to do and then someone's got to kill her but isn't this how like 
I mean, I want to play devil's advocate for a second. Like, yeah. one thing that I saw on Twitter was like, no one's getting mad talking about like Aegon Targaryen or whatever the first one was coming over there and blowing everyone up. Why does she got to be mad? Why does she got to be? I mean, he did everything but worse. I mean, sometimes oh, no, everyone was mad. I mean, the someone mad, like the Targaryens, like, um, again, like some of uh, George R. R. Martin's novellas have delved into it. The Targaryens were very hated, violent feared there's a reason that like everyone rebelled against them like uh it, it's not that danny's like getting some bum rap for being the woman murderer like no like the targaryens notoriously bloody senseless murderers with with massive weaponry right like it's one thing to be I guess genetically predisposed, according to George R. R. Martin, to madness. However, you want to define madness. It's another thing to be that and to hold nuclear bombs, right? Which is what the dragons are. Um, so no, there's there's no Targaryens that got free passes on any violence. Like, and it's one well, of the. Would we say this if she were male? Yes. Yes, this is like uh, this is not about like her being, being a, a mad queen. Like the other guy was just like a conqueror. No, he was the mad king. No, I'm talking about her like ancestors that conquered the seven kingdoms. They didn't all con- in- all considered like extremely negatively. The Targaryen legacy is not a good legacy. Mm-hmm. Like there's no version of it that that like. They, they took... But this is, like, what conquering does. Like, you have to blow stuff up. I mean, like, I get she was supposed to, like, break the wheel and do all the stuff. And the writing is so inconsistent and what they say is inconsistent. So I'm not, like, trying to, like, really push for this. But I'm trying to say, like, how else was she supposed to do certain things? I mean, I don't know. They put I mean, their I'm swords still tr- Yeah. No, you're completely right. <laughs> and that's the moment. But that's the switch moment, right, where she went too far. And that, and she, we're gonna have to live with that. That's the Danny that we're gonna have to live with. Right, 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 right. And I think like that is why I make the distinction, um, you know, that there is there's a difference between seeking righteous justice and seeking revenge. Right. Like, um, I would say that there was no justifiable reason to attack King's Landing. Period. Um, but there's a difference between taking the city and and burning the city to ashes right like it's not defensible for a male for a female for a targaryen for anyone um and and the thing is they do a very good job of showing us that she is cognizant that she is making an evil decision because that moment when she's on the tower when she hears the bells when she realizes she's won that was her winning it wasn't enough and so if you look at george R. R. martin as a critique of absolute power so absolute power absolutely corrupts everything right that's the point. It's not that Daenerys as a female couldn't handle power. That's the, the undertones of that is bad writing in the writer's room. But like George R. R. Martin, his female characters are fucking badasses. His critique is that any type of absolute power will corrupt anyone. Like, look at Lindsey Graham. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, that shady lady. <laughs> he is a shady lady. Um, 
Like that's, that is fundamentally the key thing we're supposed to take away. And so I think because it feels unearned, the critique of this show is being missed by the folks who maybe need to hear it, which is you never should hand anyone absolute power. You should never have someone in this like savior position, like one, save yourself, uh, two, rely on a community not on the narrative of one person, right? Like um, share power, like this is pointing towards like democracies and republics, even though that's not going that well for us right now either. But, um, but no, the, the main critique is a strong one. Um, and that is why that, that acting is so important when you, she, she is not mad when she makes that decision. She is cognizant. It would she not makes hold- it personal. That's the thing that I, I, I did appreciate what they said is that she decides in that moment to make it personal. Well, it's, she, it's just not enough. I don't think it's personal either because that is also a sexist attribution to a woman and her emotions going off of it. It's that absolute power for male or female, it wasn't, an, the throne wasn't enough to win. She was still going to get to kill Cersei. That is still like a guarantee once those bells rang. It was the fact that like, when there's never enough like when you seek things from a place of like i'm entitled to there's never enough and so that's why that moment it's not that it was it's not that she didn't sack the city for misande and her dragons she sacked the city because the amount of power that she had acquired and thinks that she was entitled to had corrupted her fundamentally yeah. right I don't know. Like it's, it's, um, it's, uh, I, I can't wait to read the books that will never come because I would love to know what, what George is really saying. <sighs> We've got a lot of, we got a lot of work to do. I know. I'm just, no, oh, it hurts my heart. I so love predictions, me. predictions. Everyone um, dies. Everyone's dead. Burn it all. Burn it. Burn it. Um, was that going through your head last night? Like the burn it all thing that the Mad King, that voiceover that they've had in the past? No, I actually, uh, I was listening to um, Leslie Jones's narration of Game of Thrones <laughs> and her being like, nah, Daenerys, no, no, girl, don't make the No, don't do it. Like, yeah, no, I could hear like my high school priest saying to never, never, um, never make important decisions when you are in turmoil. Uh, and I was like, man, this is not a, this is not a good look girl. Like, um, so I, I, I am willing to bet every dollar that I don't have, um, that Danny is dead in this next episode who kills her, I think is up for grabs. I I know a lot of people think think it's going to be Arya. Do you think she's pregnant? Who? Danny. I hope not, but these fuckers that are writing this are convinced that's how they'll redeem her. Like, it'll be like, here's this genocidal tyrant, but she's pregnant, so it's fine. I mean, the writing has gotten so bad that that is a possibility. It really is. (laughs) I mean, I guess I prefer, no, Jesus Christ, I hope not. Like, don't put, don't you put that out into the universe, John. Um, 
I think that I mean the no, the she's song not of ice and fire. Huh? The song of ice and fire. So is that bringing Danny and John together, or is that Danny's like, or is that their progeny? I don't think it's any of them. I, I at this, I think a, ice and fire was the north and the south, and I think the north will win this this war overall. And I don't think it has anything to do with Danny and John. The North remembers. The North remembers. Um, I think I'm still holding out for a brand switcheroo. We talked about this last night on the We phone, did. But I definitely think I don't know. I wow, oh, I'm trying to read. There's it. one episode know. left. What are they gonna do with Bran? They're gonna say, Hey Bran, make it better. I don't I I honestly think that Bran is one of the most wasted storylines I've ever seen. Like abs- absolutely useless. And like I don't think he's gonna pop up anywhere. I think um I think they ran out of they so the you know Beninoff and Weiss are off to do their Star Wars trilogy and we're like bye folks like let's let's wrap this up as quickly as possible and so a lot of loose ends are just loose ends. What else do you think is going to happen? <sighs> Who sits on the throne? And I know it pains you to say this. It it does. Um, I think. I think Tyrion is going to end up on the throne in the south. Uh, in the south, because I think there's going to be a break between the north and the south. Um, I think everyone is going to be able to rule themselves, which means the north is free, which will belong to Sansa. I think Tyrion uh, becomes king of like King's Landing and the south. Um, I would like to see, again, I think Arya, John, and Tyrion are a throw, like it's a toss up of who kills Daenerys. I think Arya is too obvious a choice. Um, I would be thrilled if it was Tyrion because then you get the, um, three Kingslayers in the family. Um, I'm positive that John is heading back up north to take the black. There is nothing for them to defend, but that is the only thing that makes sense. His guilt will stay with him for the rest of his life, and he can go be a guilty celibate man. Uh, I think John ends up on the throne and blah, 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 blah. You really think John ends up on the throne? Yeah, I de- they're setting it up for a white male savior. I mean, they're totally oh. setting everything up for John to just come, like, take control and save the world from this crazy lady and maybe get a dragon out of it at the end of the day like literally like they're not setting it up to make any of us happy (sighs) i think you're right and that sucks i mean there's no way they're gonna have yara do it okay yara yeah she's the only one that's left at the moment that's like no the obvious is sansa sansa but the thing is i don't think sansa wants to go back to king's landing ever again i think she just wants them to leave her the fuck alone up north but I maybe they maybe there will be no kings. I don't know. We have one episode left, and I just don't know because this episode left me frustrated and discombobulated. And like, none of these fucking men deserve to be on the throne. They're all useless, complicit assholes. <laughs> and then Brienne of Tarth and Sansa Stark are up north, and like, I'm like, I would go north. I like what's left of King's Landing. There's nothing left. There's literally nothing left. Uh, 
Yeah. Braun's still out there waiting to kill. To get Highgarden. <laughs> right. He gets Highgarden. Uh, Yara gets the Iron Islands. Uh, Gendry has Storm's End. Uh, the veil belongs to that weird kid who's, who liked to, you know, suck on his mom's boobs. Like, maybe just everyone gets to rule themselves. Maybe. I don't know. But we have a week well, to find out, John. We have a week to find out and a week to start to continue tweeting our hate. And shade. I, I feel like I keep having to reiterate this. I love uh, Game of Thrones. I love A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, I'm not going to lie for the sake of a podcast that I think that this season has been done well. I think that our showrunners literally just wanted to get this shit over with, which is hilarious because this is what they will always be known for. Not Star Wars. Like, bitch, Star Wars belongs to, like, it is in such a different realm. Like, you won't be known for Star Wars. Like, you should have finished this off with the dignity it deserved. Build out the characters so that these endings are justified. Like, um, every critique I have is from a place of love. Like, this is one of the few series that I reread all the time. Like, actually just finished rereading it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Let's see what happens next week. I'm actually throwing my brother and I a Game of Thrones feast before the show. Really? We're making Sansa's lemon cakes. We're going to have like some roasted like poultry that we can rip apart, some ale, some some wolf looking bread. I'm ready for this. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to order we'll see you guys in a week. And uh, we can't wait. I literally can't wait. I'm like, come on, week. And also, Marcy, it's the end of season three, our season three, our, of season our show. Ends next week, I know. Of pop culture theologians. I know. I can't believe that. We're like inching, inching towards 50 episodes. I know. And thank you, everyone. Um, if you are still listening, and we hope you are, please make <laughs> sure you go and leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all uh, platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. Um, and tweet at us. It really helps um, make sure p- other people can see us in iTunes um, when you leave a review. So please do it. It takes two seconds and we're starting to feature them um, on the actual podcast um, in ways in which we want to give you as much of a shout out as you know, you've taken time in our day, in your day to give us a shout out. And so um, with that amazing news. I just wanted to say thank you to Queen Keely Girl, who said, where have you both been my whole life? If you blended my favorite feminist activists with a little bit of Rachel Maddow, John Favreau, NPR, and Entertainment Tonight, then you would have John and Marcy on Pop Culture Theologians. Your podcast brings joy to my activist ears night and day, and then every emoji that you could possibly love. What a fucking rock star. Rock star. So go on. Leave a review. We'll read it off um, on also, the podcast. tweet us what you want season four to be. Because otherwise, we're just going to choose Roswell, New Mexico. Because, girl. I binge watched that in, like, three Ooh. days this week. Ooh. Like, binge watched it. Like, l- listeners. Fire uh, in my loins. Good. It is such trash-tastic amazingness. Uh, Don't you talk <laughs> It's a CW show. Come on. <laughs> hey, the CW has quality. 
quality shows. John still watches Grey's Anatomy, so that should come. Oh, listeners, <laughs> love you guys. Definitely let us like tweet us out. Like, what what shows are coming up that you uh, want us to cover? Please do not ask us to cover Chernobyl. I tried watching one episode, and I honestly had to take a Xanax. So, uh, see you guys in a week for like the biggest event of the week of the year. Well, like a long time. It is a huge event. It's like a huge, huge, huge. It's probably event. the end of like, you know, a lot of people call this area like the golden age of television. I'm wondering what's next. They're saying it's the end of like week. This is the end of the era of like weekly television since we binge watch everything now. So, um, so we will see you guys in a week and we'll do this thing. Let's do it. Let's do it. Bye everyone. Bye.